hear you. In in the book of Revelation, a thought that's coming through my mind as we get started tonight is in one place in the book of Revelation, there was described an angel flying through the heavens with the everlasting gospel. And when you think of an angel, I know what we've thought of many times in, in the natural, what uh, you, you know, I used to think of an angelic being how I used to consider them to be. I probably consider them very different today. But reading this scripture, Revelation 14, 6 says, Then I saw another angel flying overhead with the eternal gospel to, pro to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. So it was eternal gospel. The eternal gospel is Jesus Christ. That's the eternal gospel. And as we get into this sharing tonight, we're going to continue on where we were last week. We're going to maybe move out here in some deeper waters, and we're going to consider some things that we may or may not have considered before. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is a heavenly message, and it is sent from heavenly messengers, okay? That's what it is, a heavenly message sent from heavenly messengers. The gospel of Jesus Christ is heavenly, spiritual. And it's good news. It is very, very good news to those that receive it. And we've been in John 15. We've been looking at Christ, our covenant, Christ, the covenant, the covenant word, and have been there for some time, and we've been looking at abiding in the vine. And John 15, just to, some familiar scripture that we've been in, Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him the same brings forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Now, inside of the church, with believers, the idea of asking and receiving from the Lord is a predominant thing, okay? It's a predominant teaching. It's a predominant, uh, what's the word? It's, uh, you, you know, 
understanding in the church that we should ask and we should receive. But in this statement, Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. And I believe he's saying here, if I ask him of his word, it'll be done unto me. That's what I believe he's saying. That as his word abides in me and I ask of his word, that will be done unto me or it will be come into being, come into my being. Now, that's what I believe he's saying. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for other things at all, but I believe he's dealing with abiding in the vine, his word abiding in you, and you praying from that understanding that I'm in the vine. He's in me. Now, if I pray out of that understanding, see, see, which a lot of Christians do because they separate themselves from Jesus. They have Jesus somewhere else and not Christ living in them, not them living in Christ. So they're not praying out of, the, out of an understanding that I'm in the vine and that he's in me, that his word is in me. I pray, you know, a lot. when I used to pray, I was praying from an understanding of being separate from the Lord. I don't pray that way anymore. I don't want to pray that way anymore. I want to pray into an understanding that I am one with Christ. Christ lives in me. He dwells in me. And I'm after his divine nature, the divine attributes of him to be made known in my soul that I can live in them. That's what I'm after is to have the mind of Christ, to have the understanding of Christ, to have the nature of Christ, that the goodness of the Lord would appear in me in, everywhere, in everything I do. That's what I really want, is God's goodness to flow out of me everywhere I go, to change my whole conversation, to change my whole identity in the earth. Okay? Now, that's how I want to pray. Because that's the results I want to see. What do I want to see? I want to see Christ coming out of me in my day-to-day -day life, in my day-to-day -day living, in my interactions. And truthfully, I know when that's true, and I know when it's not. Why do I know when it's not? Because I know him. I know him to a measure anyway. So by knowing him to a measure, I know that sometimes what comes out of my heart is not him. Okay? So I'm praying that everything that would be here would be him, that I may obtain all things in Christ Jesus. That should be our lifestyle of prayer that we're obtaining everything in Christ Jesus. Well, to obtain everything in Christ Jesus, we should probably know about what's in Christ Jesus. That's probably why we're not seeking to obtain everything in Christ, because we don't know what's there. Well, Apostle Paul writes to us what's there. Jesus tells us what's there. Jesus in John 17 said that they may be one as we are one. I and them, thou and me, 
that they may be made perfect in one. So we know that perfection is in Christ Jesus, and we're to be perfected in him. So, so my prayer life should be around that very thing, that I would obtain that of him. I would know that of him. All right, just moving on down in this, if, I, if I'm not careful, I will expound so far here, I won't get all these scriptures, and we'll be here like Brother James said. He listened to a preacher earlier today for three hours. I make it go three hours too, Brother James. But we probably won't do that tonight. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, verse 7, Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, ask, receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth, and him to and to him that knocks it shall be opened. For what man is there of you whom he, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, notice what Jesus said to them: If you being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things? To them that ask him. And I wrote a question there what are the good things? So God wants to give you good things. In another place, it says that he would give us that of the kingdom. So God wants to give us good things, and God wants to give us that of the kingdom. Glory to God. That's what he wants to do. That's what he's given us all things. Now, if I flip over to Peter, where we were at last week, in the book of Peter, and I may have to search and find it. I don't know if I have it in my notes, but in I believe it's 2 Peter chapter 1 says, he has given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. It says, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according to as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's this fruitfulness again. And so if these things, abound. And I could call these things the things of him, the things of God, the things of Christ. 
If they abound in you, you will be fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he has given to us all things. So now when I go back to John 15 and get into asking and receiving, should I be asking to understand all these things that are in Christ? Is that where my heart should be? That I'm understanding all these things that are in Christ? Yes. That's where my heart should be. That's where my mind should be. That's where my effort should be. Because all these things that are in Christ have been given unto us. That's what he says. Christ has been given to us. Now everything that he is, he's a package deal, right? <laughs> you could call Jesus a package deal. So, so you get the whole package, but I don't know the whole package, right? So, so my pursuit of God in the earth and in the heavens is to grow up in him in all things. Now, it's defining what all these things are, all these good things of God. See, that's what we're we're given all these good things of God, all these precious promises. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God, that the divine nature would be housed in our earthly tent. Going back to the beginning of this meeting, when we were talking about that in every situation, we be the what? The salt. We be the savor of God. We be the sweet fragrance of Christ in every situation. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. That's, that's the divine nature. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what God is after in us. That's why he planted the seed. He didn't plant the seed just to have a seed plant. He planted the seed to have the abundance of the fruit of the seed come forth in the earth. Honey, you're the earth. Jesus is the seed. So now the abundance of him is to come forth in the earth. That's why he's planted the seed. That's why you've received him, to be filled with him. And we've read in John for the last two weeks, two or three weeks, Jesus said, toll not for the meat that perishes, but labor for the meat that continues or abides to eternal life. And we know that that meat is the word of God. So he's telling us to labor in his word, toil in his word. The word labor there in John is the word toil. And it's, it's like working in his word. So, so sometimes we're wanting God to do things for us. All of us are. I'm not the only one. You're not the only one that wants God to do things. But God has given us the recipe, we could say, if you're a cook, or the prescription, if you look at it as a doctor. And he says, labor in my word. Labor. You know, work in his word. So, so we, we, we got into this movement of where we don't work. 
But Jesus said to labor. Yeah. Now, did he? He, he did. If I, if I understand his words in John 6, he says the labor for the meat that endures into eternal life. That means we have to put some effort into it. <laughs> Amen. See, 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 I'm all about the grace of God. I couldn't get saved by my labors. But now that I am saved, now that I have received salvation, I'm laboring in that that God has given me that I might know it, that I might obtain it, that I might walk in it. See, I, I'm not laboring to get saved. Don't, don't misunderstand me. We don't labor to get saved because we're saved through the work of Jesus Christ. But what we're laboring for is that the work of Jesus Christ that we're saved in might be produced in us in the earth. That's the labor. That, that it might be fill me up. Last week I called it being filled. See, see, we're filled with it. We're, we're, if I'm filled up with it, then maybe it's pushed out of me everything else. You ever, you ever consider that? If I, if I feel up like I've got this cup here, and it's not all the way full, but if it's all the way full with water, there's no room for air. There's no room for nothing else. So if he crammed in me everything he is, and I believe he wants to, then, then maybe, not, not no maybe about it, that would squeeze out everything else. That would remove everything else. He would increase, and I would decrease. We, we, we like to use that scripture there. But see, that him filling me with himself, that I'm not void and bring forth fruit. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Now, like I said, at the beginning of this, I might say something a little different than you've heard. And if I do, pray for me. Don't get mad at me. If you want to get mad at me, you can, you can get mad at me later. But Re Revelation 22, verse 1. I'm going to read a few verses here, and then we're going to John we're not going to go to John, to Matthew 16, but Revelation 22, verse 1 says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne and of God and of the Lamb. Now, I love that, pure water of life. In the midst of the street of this pure water of life, notice where it's at, in the midst of the street of this pure water of life, and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare 12 manner of fruits. I am the vine, you're the branches. So here's the tree of life, and it bears, yields fruit. And yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, some people got this out in the future that someday the nations are going to be healed. But I got news for you. I came from the nations. I might be the only one that was of the Gentile nations, but I know I'm not. I'm kidding, saying that the nations are being healed by the fruit of the tree right now. That's been going on since John, Peter, and Paul, 
and all those that came forth through them. So this, I, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. So the fruit coming out of that tree heals the nations. What does it do when I eat that fruit? Does it not change the, the so to speak, the water in me, the, the, the bitter water? Doesn't it become sweet as I know the Lord? Is it not healing me right now? Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. It absolutely is. So the fruit of the tree is for the healing nations. Maybe why people aren't getting healed, they're putting this out in the future. Everything's in the future. What's well, not? God is now. Jesus is now. Christ is now in me. So John sees this river of water life running out of the throne and of the temple of God. Same thing Ezekiel saw back in Ezekiel 47, I believe it is, and, and Isaiah saw, and that water runs into the sea, and the sea speaks of the Gentile nations in your Bible, and where that water goes, there is life, there is healing, and as that water abounds in us, it's healing us. It's transforming us. It's making us sweet where we were bitter. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. That's what his water does. Now, my water can't do that. But his can. That's why I have to abide in him. So I abide in him and I become joined to this vine and this water is going to heal me. And it's going to heal those that receive it. Ever who drinks of him will have a well of water abiding, Jesus said, in them. And that water springs up to his life, perpetual life, eternal life. <clears throat> so that water springs up to his life in you and I. Changing us, changing our minds, changing our thoughts, changing our whole identity. Honey, that's good news. I start off with the everlasting gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. A heavenly voice declaring the eternal gospel of Jesus Christ flying through the heavens. That's where we started tonight. Glory to the Lamb of God. And, and, and we see this pure river of life just flowing out of the throne and from the Lamb. And it's transforming, changing the heart, making things good, very, very very good. So here we go. And there shall be no more curse, verse 3. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. Now that would be the, the place to be, his name, his identity, the mind of Christ in our minds, in our foreheads. And there shall be no more night there. And they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets and his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophets, prophecy of this book. 
And then down in verse 12, Jesus says, and behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. Notice that. His reward. I wanted to get to this in the beginning of this and to give every man according to his work. Well, I thought there were no works here. Here it is again. I'm going to give you according to your toil, according to your labor. But what you're going to labor in is the meat that endures to eternal life. Okay, that's what you're going to labor in. That's what we're laboring in. Now, now flip over to Matthew. We read this last week. We'll probably read it again next week. We'll see. But Matthew 16, verse 21 says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to what? His works. <laughs> now, what does all this mean? That's why I said we'll probably have to pick this up next week, but I'm going to share a little bit of it with you. Told you we're going to wade out in a little bit of deep waters. What's the glory of the Father? Jesus said he's going to come in the glory of his Father. Oh, I would call that the Almighty God. Okay? The glory of the Father, he was the Almighty God. That's what Isaiah declared of him, the eternal Father, Prince of Peace, ever, you, Almighty God. You'll read Isaiah 9, 6. Now that glory, if I go back to the Old Testament and I look at the glory of the Father, and I'm not going to walk through all these scriptures tonight, and we might next week, we'll see. But if I go back there and look at it, the glory of God was, I think it was first declared in the scripture. I think, I think Abraham saw it, but it may not have been just plainly declared, but there it, it appeared to Israel as a cloud in a fire as they were coming out of Egypt. Okay? Somewhere there in Exodus, I don't remember what chapter, but he appears as a cloud in a fire. And it's called the glory of God. All right? Now, as I follow that cloud and fire, ultimately... What that cloud and fire is going to do is fill the temple. 
hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So could Jesus simply be saying, hereafter, I'm going to come in the glory, the spirit of God, the glory of God, and fill my house. Yes, I believe he is. I believe the scripture will bear this out, that he was going to come in the glory of the Father, the Almighty God, and fill his house. And he didn't, he didn't build that house like with Moses. You are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. And he's coming with his angels and reward them according to their toil. Now we're toiling not for the meat that perishes. Keep that in your mind. We're toiling, Jesus said, to toil, to labor for the meat, the word of God that abounds unto eternal life. So that's where our toil's at. Because that produces his life. And he rewards us of his life. So what's these angels? Are these spiritual beings that we don't see out here? Well, in if you read close, I believe where we read a while ago, one of the angels told John he was of his brethren, the prophets. I think that happens twice in the book of Revelation, where the angel tells John that he's actually of his brethren and one of the prophets. In Revelation chapter one, I believe it is, or chapters one through three or four, there are seven angels, seven messengers to the seven churches in Asia. So the word angel can simply be a messenger of God coming with his angel, his messenger. Jesus said that in the resurrection, we would be as the angels, okay? Now, I could take that as a future event, or I could, like we preach, say Jesus is the resurrection and the life, right? So the heavenly messengers of God, I believe, are the ministry in the church. Why would they be heavenly messengers of God? Because they're of Christ. How could they not be heavenly messengers of God if they're of Christ? He is the heavenly one. See, see, this has to change our minds. We, we've got heaven in our mind as this natural place, but the heavenly one is the Lord Jesus himself. He's heavenly. God is heavenly. The Spirit of God is heavenly. The Word of God is heavenly. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. It's not carnal. It's spiritual. And anything that is spiritual is heavenly. If it's carnal, it's of man. 
So if I speak to you of a man, you don't need the thing I say. But if I speak to you of God, you need everything I say, and I need everything you say. Because I need that of the Spirit of God. That is what is heavenly. So the heavenly message of Jesus Christ. That's what we're declaring. We're not declaring the earthly carnal message of the old covenant. See, that was earthly and carnal. According to Hebrews, we are declaring the heavenly message of Jesus Christ and that we are heavenly, spiritual. Glory to the Lamb of God. Now follow with me. His angels shall come with him and he shall reward you. Now look with me in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Look here. Look at what it says. Look at it real close. Ephesians chapter 4 says, verse 8. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Here's gifts again. Rewards. Now that he ascended, what is it? But he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might feel. Why did he ascend? That he might feel all things. And look at this beautiful, look at this next part. I just want to jump up and down because Jesus could have just done it all himself. But he made us, remember what he said in John 17, we're one with him? Get a hold of what he's getting ready to say here. He made, he ascended up on earth, up, up into the heavens, that he might feel all things, far above all heavens. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, but by the slight of, but by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him. Here's the, here it is again, in all things. Here's our rewards. Here's the rewards, all things of him. And it's coming through apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's what these rewards are coming through, these all things of him. We're built up in him. So we participate with him. Ain't this a beautiful picture? The Lord participates with us. We participate with him and we share him. Where's this, where's this shown in the Gospels? This is in the Gospels. I don't have them before me, but I'm, I'm wanting to turn to one of them. And I know we've, we've taken some time tonight. But in, if you go there when Jesus fed the multitude, in a couple places. He broke the bread, it says, in one place and fed the multitude, okay? 
If you read these events, you go through those events, and maybe next week I'll pull them together and we'll go through them. One of the encounters, I believe it's in John, he breaks the bread. He gives it to his disciples. They feed the multitude and gather up from the multitude 12 baskets full, which I believe is divine government. So he gathers up of him from the multitude. Hallelujah. So he breaks the bread and he distributes himself in us. And we give to one another, just like Paul writes here in Ephesians, that we might grow up into him in all things. So we're participants with the Lord and that that he's done. We feed one another of the Lord. If we don't feed one another of the Lord, we don't need to be feeding anybody. <laughs> so that we may grow up into him. Man, isn't it good news that as he is, so are we? That's good news. This is what Jesus has done for you. You, you know, I, I wanted to say a couple things, so I'm going to say this and, and end tonight, and we'll pick this back up. I'm sure there's questions, there's comments, and we'll pick this back up, Lord willing, next week. But I want to say some things just, just at the end of this, and I want you to hear me. Christians are starving to be in right standing with God. Christians, not sinners, Christians, to know they're in right standing. How do I know that? I went through years of being a Christian, wondering. I'd come out of meetings and wondering if I was still saved or not. Instead of coming from a meeting and knowing that I'm in the right standing of God, I would come out of meetings and wonder if I'm still saved or not. You know, I give him my heart to the Lord. Yeah, I messed up many times. Yeah, but he's been gracious and righteous to cleanse me from all my sins. But the reason I didn't know I was in right standing with God is I wasn't hearing the good news. I was hearing something else. But we're in really good news that they may be one as we are one. But Jesus didn't say that, that those just be words that are spoken out here that have no meaning. He said that, that we would actually live in the earth as one with him. Now I'm going to ask you, is he heavenly? Is Jesus heavenly? Absolutely. Everybody here is going to say he is. You're his body, so what does that make you? You're one with him, so what does that make you? Makes you heavenly. Because you belong to him. Not because you've done any great thing to obtain it. You belong to him. 
And now I'm laboring to understand that that's in Christ. I am seeking that that's in Christ. That's where my labor's at. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about laboring. And he's rewarding me with it. He's, he's bringing me to an understanding in my heart that I know it and can walk in it and share it and live in it. Glory to the Lamb of the living God. Honey, my salvation is real. Jesus is real to me. He lives in me, and he wants to express himself out of me and out of you. That's what he wants to do. All of his goodness just flow forth. One last thing, and I'll stop. I have, I have many, many scriptures I want to go through, but I'm not going to. His name in our forehead. We, we, we could dwell on that the rest of our lives, his name in our forehead. Not the name Adam. Not the name carnal man. Not the name sinner. Not the name unjustified. Not the name in sin. Not the name in hell. Not the name in despair. You can go on and on and on. His name. Righteousness. Peace. Joy. His name. What does his name say to you? In your mind, in your forehead, in your understanding. My Lord, the church needs to hear this. You have the mind of Christ. You have the Lord living in you. Well. We'll stop right there. We'll pick this up next week. Thank you all for attending. Thank you, Andrew, for being with us. And Jennifer, I, I saw Jennifer join. I don't know if she's still with us. But thank you all for coming and joining this meeting tonight. I'm going to stop right here.